Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. Now, some of you don't know what we started last week. We started a new sermon series called Stones. There we go. Stones. Now, how many of you have been here last week or haven't been here last week? Now, um, I need to repent first. Yeah, you have been here? So those of you who haven't been here, sorry, I've been double-minded there, right there. Sorry. <laughs> those of you who haven't been here, I still need to update the sermon, uh, the sermons on our SoundCloud. So by tonight, uh, last week's sermon will be up. Now, I want to encourage you, no matter if you've missed last week. Last week, I laid the foundation about a sermon series on foundations. <laughs> that was quite funny when I thought about it. It was this foundational series on a sermon series about foundations. And I just felt a couple of months ago that God spoke to me and said, Henny, so many of the church-going people, lovers of God, believers, are struggling through stuff in their lives because there is cracks in the foundation. There's cracks in our foundation of how we serve God, how we do things, because oh, why do I do, have to do the elementary things when I'm already here, I've been growing in Christ, I've known the Lord 10 years, but we still struggle because there's cracks in the foundation. And as a foundation, as engineers, all engineers will tell you that it is very important, especially big bridges that they build, after a number of years you need to go and check the foundations. Always go and check the foundations because the earth move. There's tectonic plates that move constantly. Depending where you build things, especially on, in water, wherever, you need to check the foundations. Now the core text of our series is the following. It's Luke 6. It says, I will show you what it is like when someone comes to me, is Jesus speaking, listening to my teaching and then follows it. It is like a person building a house who digs deep and lay the foundation on solid rock. Now Jesus just preached the Beatitudes, the, the Sermon on the Mount. One of those amazing sermons that Jesus preached in Matthew 6 and 7. And, and, he, and he comes and he ends the Beatitudes. He ends this massive sermon with this little scripture that says, uh, he actually starts it out in verse 46. Says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things that I say? He says, actually what he says, you listen to me, you hear all the truth, but you need to be like a man building a house on a solid foundation. Because if you build on the sand, the storms of life will come and blow, and, and blow your house away. The floods will come and flood your house away. The structure that you build. Now just as every house needs a strong foundation to withstand the storms and the weather, so do we as Christians need to have foundation in our lives. We need that foundation. We need to make sure that there's foundation in our lives because when the storms of life come, will our foundations be strong? You see, see a foundation is built with strong and dur durable material. It is. Why? Because the structure that's built on the foundation needs to withstand everything. Now, our focus for this series is the following. It's to make sure that our foundation stones in our life and our spiritual lives are set. There's foundation stones in your life that set, building blocks that you've set in your foundation to make sure that, that I can withstand the storms of life. Now, I said last week that I'm, I might be going through some very elementary stuff in the series. Very elementary. Things that maybe you've heard long ago and things that, oh, this is basic stuff in here. Get to the main revelation. 
But you know what? If you have the foundations in your life right, the foundations are bigger and stronger and greater. And it's always very important to make sure that we know the elementary stuff, that we know the basics. Sometimes you need to go back to the basics to get to the bigger things. It's very important. Every year when a new year comes, we all want to do New Year resolutions. But the best sometimes in the new year is to go back to the basics and say, do I have all the basics in check? Do I have a good diet? Do I have this? Actually, what people, they want a New Year's resolutions, but what they do is they just go back to the basics and say, what, are, what do I need to do again which is good for me? And this is exactly why we need to go back to the foundations again. See, God did not give us a storm-free life. He did not give us a storm-free life. He gave us, He equips us and walks with us on a daily basis to give us a storm-proof life in our walk and in our relationship with Him. As I said last week, when I fall in the water, my watch is waterproof, right? Now, when I fall in in a swimming pool, it doesn't mean that my watch will not get wet. It absolutely will get wet. But... Because it's waterproof means that my watch will not be destroyed when I fall into the, into the pool. And that's exactly why we need foundations. We need to be storm-proof in life because storms are coming. You, need to, you are going to face challenges in your life. You are going to face things that is tough for you. How is your spiritual foundations going to hold up in the toughest things you need to hold to? Now, how many of us can sit here today knowingly know or say today that that all of our foundations is checked and strong. It's a good question to ask because we need to think about it. We need to say, is all my foundations strong? Is there some things in my life that I'm struggling through? Maybe it's because of a crack in some of my foundation that I need to go and take the Word again. I need to go and take my prayer life again. I need to go and figure out, do I still have the Lordship of Christ in my life in everything that I do? He said, foundations is the key to a strong and a healthy Christian walk with God. It is the key. It is the key to have strong foundations. Now, last week we started by looking at, at, at the importance of foundation and why it's necessary for us to have a strong foundation. But I also started with the first stone. I spoke about the first stone, foundation stone. And then there's a lot. There's actually a lot. So I'm just going to pick four that I feel that we need to speak about um, in this next four weeks. And the first stone we spoke about was the Lordship of Christ. Do you have the Lordship of Christ in your life? See, the important thing is, it's important to make sure before we start laying any foundation, any foundation, you need to make sure on what are you building the foundation. Because you can lay a strong foundation. You can have the strongest building blocks. But if you build that foundation in the sand... On, that, on the surface of the sand, then it's going to shift, it's going to topple, it's gonna have, you're going to have problems. It's like I spoke about last week, they, when they started building the Tower of Pisa in Italy. They started building that thing, and the, 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 um, the foundation of the Tower of Pisa, believe it or not, is only 9 meters deep. But at 10 meters, when you go 10 meters deep, they would have realized that the ground they built on was um, muddy, Muddy type of ground that, that gave away after years of pressure. And after about three or four years, they were busy build, building this beautiful building. That thing started leaning. Until they realized by the, uh, by the, by the year 27, 2007, which is past already, 
the thing would have fallen over. So they had to go in with engineers, millions of, of euros. They had to refix that foundations and make sure that that thing stands with, <laughs> with a lean because it became so well known because of the lean. Now for us as Christians, we need to build on Christ the rock, the foundation. That's what we need to make sure on. On what foundation are you building your life, your spiritual life as a Christian? You can't just slap a house down anywhere you want to. You need to go and see what kind of ground you're building on. And all the builders and, and engineers will tell you exactly how, met, how, how many um, um, tests and things they need to do and see what type of ground am I building my foundation in. Now in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 11, it says the following. It says, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, which is Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus said, don't build on the sand. Make sure you build on a solid rock. And there's scriptures, so many scriptures in the Bible that says, Jesus, the rock, the solid rock of our foundation. And we need to dig deep in that foundation. Build, and, and, and it takes effort to build a foundation. It takes effort to, to dig deep and grind deep into that solid foundation to lay your foundation that will, ne- that will not shift. Now today, I don't know if all of you know, today is Pentecost. It is Pentecost today. It's a day, one of the most powerful days in the history, apart from the cross, history of, of the Bible is where the Holy Spirit were poured out on the disciples and everything changed. Literally, everything changed. See, when Jesus died on the cross, the veil tore. The presence became part. Where when the presence was only part of, of, of the, 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 um, the most holy of holies, and only the high priest can go in once a year, and suddenly when Jesus hung on that cross and the, the veil tore, the presence became part of everyone's lives. But not just that, Jesus said, my presence will be with you, but I'm also giving you an advocate. I'm giving you something so much more. I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. Now listen to what Jesus said in, verse, um, in John 14, verse 15 to 17. It says, so if you love me, obey my commandments. Here he goes again. He says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it is not looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. I mean, that's, that's a CLR moment right there to pause and think. What did Jesus actually say here? Now, this is the day just before Jesus was crucified, and he gave this promise to the disciples. But to be honest with you, I don't think the disciples realized what Jesus was promising there. I don't think they realized, what are you saying? Because they still were believing that Jesus would be the king of Israel and would lead the victory against the oppression of the Romans. That's what, what they believed. But Jesus starts out with the following. He says, He says the following, he says, if you love me, obey my commandments. Now he's not just saying, listen, you need to obey everything I tell you. Listen, he's saying, you need to listen what I'm saying. For what's coming in the next few days will shock you, will break you emotionally almost, and will discourage you to a point where you feel you want to die. Because Jesus would hang on a cross, they would see him die. And he says, when that happens, I I need you to obey this, what I'm going to tell you right now. 
that my Father is going to give you a gift that will last into eternity. You see, at the time, the disciples had no idea. But Jesus knew what was about to happen, so he wanted them to look out for the very thing that the world didn't see or didn't, they weren't looking for it. They say, I want you to look for this thing. The world is not looking for it. The world cannot receive it because they isn't looking for him and they don't recognize him. So important. See, the true, the true power and the true presence of God is what Jesus wanted them to look for. The true power and the true presence of God. You see, it's impossible to live the Christian life apart from the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you. It is impossible. Knowing what I know today, experiencing what I've experienced in my life, I cannot live my Christian life without the Holy Spirit. And there's so many of you sitting here today that, that would say amen to that. It is impossible to live the Christian life apart from the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's why this is such an important foundation stone for us to have before any other foundation stone is laid. is to make sure that you know and have the Holy Spirit. Because He changed everything. The day when Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, it was a powerful day. We can go into that. We all know the story. But something changed. There was a foundation stone laid into the apostles, the disciples' hearts that changed the movement of the gospel and being a Christian. Changed it forever. You see, every born-again believer receives the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation. When you get saved, the presence of God is part of your spirit. Does it make sense? Your, it, 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 it resonates in your spirit. It does. And that's what Jesus paid for on the cross and through the resurrection. The, the veil was torn. The presence became part of every life which said, Lord, I need to lay my life down. At a place of salvation, you get to a place where say, the presence of God becomes part of my life. Now listen to what Jesus did in John 20. After he was crucified, after he was risen from the dead, he, he appeared to the, to the disciples. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and in his sides. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. I don't know how many of you have read that before. Now these were guys that were walking with Jesus for three years. Three years they known him. They prayed with him. They saw him do miracles. He sent them out. They did miracles. And he died on a cross. He rose again, he appeared to them, and he said, peace be with you, and he breathed over them. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, to be honest, I still need to go and prove it and, and dive into the Word, but I believe that that was the moment when salvation started for the Christian belief. That's where salvation started. That's where the term born again started, where Jesus breathed the presence of God over them. And that's exactly what happens to us when we get saved. 
Now Jesus just con- con- he- he conquered death and canceled the illegitimate authority of Satan on earth. He is now giving them the great commandment. Now if you go to the same scripture in Matthew 28, it's where he said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Now go and make disciples of all nations and teach them what I've taught you. But in the account of John, he breathed on them. He breathed on them. And when I read this, it reminded me of how everything started in Genesis 1. Remember? Genesis 1, 7, Then the Lord formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. You see, just like God breathed life into Adam, and Adam lost it through sin, Jesus had to come back and say, let me restore the life that you have lost. Let me breathe this life into you that every time you get saved, every time you say, Lord, not my life, but your life in me, there is a breath of God that comes into our spirit. There is a presence of God that resides in your spirit that we need. See, Jesus prophetically breathed on the disciples as a sign of life that will come with the Holy Spirit even more. A sign of power. Then at that last meeting, just before Jesus ascended to heaven, he instructed them to do what? To wait wait in Jerusalem for a second experience. For a second defining moment. Go and wait in in, in, in Jerusalem. And he said, go and wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. The filling of the Spirit. Listen what happened in Acts 1. Acts 1 verse 4 to 5, it says, Once when he was eating with them, this is now after he was resurrected, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sent you the gift he promised. The gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now that verse 5 in the Amplified says the following, For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized and empowered and united with the Holy Spirit not long from now. Isn't that powerful? Baptized, united, empowered. You see, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we need to be empowered as Christians. We need to be empowered as Christians. This is so powerful. We need to realize that there is a filling of the Spirit that happens after salvation that empowers us to do great things. Jesus basically says, you cannot miss this gift that the Father has promised you. You cannot miss this gift. It's, I mean, I've used this illustration before, but how many of you want to pass away one day at an old age? Then afterwards, knowing that you were all the, all the time, all your life, you were a billionaire, but you, wouldn't know, you didn't know it. It's like, n- no, I want to come back. Resurrection. How many people dies daily without knowing the true promise and the gift of the Holy Spirit? And that, for me, it's like, how can that happen? How can you not get the gift that God promised you to empower you, to unite you to Him? 
Now, even more so today, we as believers can't miss this powerful gift given to all who believes. Everyone on earth who believes, say, Jesus, you are, I want to give my life to you. That gift belongs to you. Now, this is one of the most important and powerful foundation stones in our lives. We need this stones. We need this stone to be set in our lives. But sadly, sadly, it is one of the most deb- debated issues in a church today. It is one of the most fought about, debated issues that people don't want to speak to each other because of that anymore in church today. Now, many Christians believe that the gift of the Holy Spirit is just for a selected few. If God decides to give it to you, then you are blessed, my friend. Does it sound familiar? Well, there's a debate over how we receive the Holy Spirit. Many believe we are filled with the Holy Spirit during salvation. But I just proved it wrong through Scripture. And many Christians still believe the speaking in tongues as a sign of baptism, Holy Spirit, is just for the apostles that time, the disciples during Pentecost. It was just for then, it's not for now. Now, no foundation can be set without truth, right? So let me answer a few questions. And now I'm getting to the basics. I want to answer the basic questions of the Holy Spirit to us. Maybe you've heard this. Maybe you've got it down. It's always good to listen to it again. Now, to be honest, if I need to prove to you why the Holy Spirit's right, wrong, it is a, it's a Bible school lecture that probably will take us two hours. But I want to take one or two or three principles and just give you the principles. And then I'm going to trust God to pray for some of you that really wants the Holy Spirit this morning. Because I can't speak about it and not give what we speak about. Now, question number one that people usually have. Is baptism in the Holy Spirit for everyone or just a selected few? How many of you have heard that question before? It is for everyone. It is for everyone on earth. Every person who accepts Jesus as the Lord and Savior can step into this place to be filled with the Holy Spirit to its fullness. You see, when the disciples were baptized in the Spirit on Pentecost, Peter stood up. Now, come on, can I just stop here? It's probably one of my favorite moments in the Bible. Here we have Peter. How many of you are watching The Chosen? You'll get the, 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 the Peter, how they, how they paint the, the, the picture of his, his character and how he is. Probably not. It's just, I know it's just a story. But if you think that's Peter, I mean, he always wanted to protect Jesus. He wanted to cut off ears. He's like, that's Peter. You know, Peter was bold. Uh, he was impulsive. It was just Peter. But Peter was never the guy who wanted to, he always wanted to protect Jesus rather than do the miracle, you know. And then Jesus did the miracle and he was, oh, wow, okay, blessed. And then, I mean, it's just Peter. Peter was so afraid of the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees who killed Jesus on a cross that he denied Jesus three times as Jesus was whipped. Jesus was resurrected, crucified, resurrected, Pentecost happened, the power of the Holy Spirit poured out on them. Peter stood up on the platform and preached to thousands of people. And in that one moment of boldness, 3,000 men were instantly filled with the Holy Spirit and they got saved. 
Now, if they only accounted for 3,000 men, how many people was there? Probably 5,000 and more. I can't even, I mean, I can shout with the sound system loud enough. No, there's no way 5,000 people will hear me. And he was standing on that city and that, that inner part of the city, shouting to people bold enough so that they were cut to the heart. That's what the scripture says, Acts 2. They were cut to the heart to such a degree that they said, what shall we do? Listen to the scripture in Acts 2. He says, he says, and then they said, what shall we do? He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Now there he just answers the question. You see, when the veil tore, when Jesus hung on the cross, the Holy Spirit and presence of God became available to us. That's it. God didn't take the Holy Spirit and the the, the presence of God and place it back into one or other temple. It is part of us. You know why Jesus had to go? And the Holy Spirit had to come? There's a lot of reasons, but one of the main reasons is Jesus, as man, couldn't get to everyone on earth. But the Holy Spirit can. He can be with you every moment of every minute of every day. God can be part of your life. His presence can flow in and out of your life. Can, I mean, that's why. The Holy Spirit and the presence of God became part of all of our lives. It became available to us. And not just that, it came with power. It came with power. So is the baptism of the Holy Spirit for everyone and not just the selected few? Paul says, Peter says, the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. The far off means to for all into eternity. Everyone who can listen, can hear, are available for, for God to come and fill them. It is for them. Not just for a selected few. Question number two, and there's more proof than just that one scripture. Question number two, what is the proof of baptism in the Holy Spirit? What is the proof of that? Now, when we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it is not just something we believe we've received. Ah, you know, I've believed I received it. Yes, now we go on. No. It's not just something we believe. No, no. There is a sign given that goes with the experience. (laughs) There is a sign given As the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit, what did they do? They started speaking in tongues. They started speaking in tongues. Now I know some scholars say, yeah, they spoke the tongues of all the people in that city so that the gospel can spread into the world. But they spoke in tongues supernaturally. The people from all over could have understand them in their language. Listen to Mark 16 verse 17. And these signs... These signs will follow and accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons and they would speak in new tongues. They would speak in new tongues. Acts Acts 10 verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. um, The circumcised believers who had come with Peter 
were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. See, even the circumcised Jews came with them, and they knew that the, the proof in the, was in the pudding. The proof was that they were filled with the Spirit because they spoke in tongues. That's why. See, it's important to understand that the Scriptures speak of two different types of tongues. And this is usually where the pawpaw hits the fan. <laughs> There's two types of tongues that the Word speaks about. And this is where people get confused. And this is where they fight. And this is where they debate. But I want to bring some clarity and truth into this. There's two types of speaking in tongues in the Word. One is the gift of the Spirit like prophecy. It's a gift of tongues like prophecy. The second is our personal devotion to God. Now let me explain that. The first one, speaking in tongues as prophecy edifies the body of Christ. And the second one edifies ourselves. Now there's a scripture that so many people misinterpret big time. <laughs> this is where the big issue starts with this scripture. And it is in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7 to 11. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Now he says that the Spirit is given to us, to the profit of us all. And what spiritual gifts does the Spirit give? He says, for the one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To the another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. And so I had a lot of conversations in my life with students and with a lot of people that say, See, God only gives the tongues to certain people. And he also gives to other people interpretation of the tongue. So when you hear a tongue, people speaking tongues, you need to have somebody immediately to go and interpret it. But they misinterpret the word, the scriptures. Paul spoke about corporately. He spoke about the corporate setting of the body of Christ. See, Paul is not referring to speaking in tongues in general, but as a gift in the spirit. A gift, a spiritual gift. You see, it happens like this. When we will have church in worship, somebody will jump up and suddenly loudly speak in tongues and everybody will be quiet and listen. Then there is an interpretation of the tongue which works as a prophecy gift. That is gifts in a corporate setting, what Paul is speaking about. See, this gift of tongue works and functions like the gift of prophecy and always, always, always goes hand in hand with an interpretation of tongues as a gift of the Holy Spirit. It works together. And I met prophets in my life who can prophesy in tongues and then stop and immediately with the same dialect and the same tone can, can give the word. It is absolute spiritual gift. Um, you don't see that as much in church anymore today, but it is a spiritual gift. Then secondly, Paul also referred to speaking in tongues as a personal devotion to God. And this is where we coming, come into. That the, the main purpose of being baptized in the Holy Spirit was to, to have a personal devotional encounter with God 
every day of your life. Every day of your life. Listen to 1 Corinthians 14. It says the following. Paul says, If you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God. Since people won't be able to understand you, you will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will be, all be mysterious. Okay? Then he says, But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but the one who speaks a word of prophecy or tongues of prophecy strengthens the entire church. A very clear distinction of the one and the other. The one of the building block that we need in our lives is a, a filling of the Holy Spirit that focuses on a personal devotion to God every day of your life. Every day of your life. That brings us to question number three. How do one receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? How do we receive it? How do, I mean, I've had so many of those questions um, working with young people, old people. Everyone wants to know, okay, I know the Holy Spirit is real. I know um, this is what's happened. We are at Pentecost. God gave us the gift of the filling of the Holy Spirit. But how do I, as a Christian, receive it now? The only prerequisite for that is knowing Jesus. It's the only prerequisite. A place of salvation. Giving your heart to the Lord. And the second, by prayer and laying on of hands. That's it. That's how we receive the Holy Spirit. Look at Acts 8. Peter again. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. That is water baptism. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. You see, most of the disciples in the New Testament received the Holy Spirit by the laying on of hands. They, they laid their hands on people, and they prayed for them. And that is what it is. When we lay hands on people, it is a place of, I impart and I agree. So you can only give what you have. Am I right? So anybody who has been filled with the Holy Spirit and have the gift of tongues or, or, being, or speak in tongues can pray for someone else because they can impart and give what they have. But it is one of those necessity, the building blocks in our lives that we cannot go without. In Acts 1, Jesus said, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sent you a gift that He promised. Remember that? A gift that he promised. Now I remember when I was 13 years old, I went to a youth camp. <laughs> and everything great always happens at a youth camp, isn't it? I went to a youth camp and I, um, I was, my parents moved to the AFM church about two months before that. I grew up Dutch Reformed. Um, and uh, I went to this camp and um, the AFM was still new to me. People are shouting and speaking in different weird languages and it's uh, stuff. So I was like, okay, I'll go to this camp just to, because my mom didn't want to stop asking. So I went to the camp and I had one friend there. So I thought, okay, this, it, at least it's going to be fun. And the first night of that camp, the pastor, there's a, a student pastor, he came up and he preached a heaven and hell message. Turn or burn, baby. Man, I wanted to, I didn't know, I just like, where can I turn? Because I just want I didn't want to go to hell. Please, can I just do something? I mean, I was, I was at front first, not just, I don't want to go to hell. Please just pray for me. 
As long as I don't go to hell, I'm fine with it. <laughs> and I remember I was first there, but he started here in the middle and he started praying and I heard the kids are starting to cry and it's like, oh my goodness, this is hectic. And, and when he got to me, I was, I mean, I was terrified. I was like, what is going to happen to me? Something is going to be bad. And he said to me, Henny, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? And I said to him, man, I think I'm too young for that stuff, man. Can you just pray that I don't go to hell? I'll be fine. <laughs> I was just honest. I was just like the honesty of a child. And he said to me something that I never forget in my entire life. He said, Henny, Holy Spirit is like a gentleman. He would never offend you or bring you to a place of offense. He says, you know, have your dad taught you to be a gentleman to ladies? I said, yes. He said, what do you do? So I opened the doors and I, I, I'm a gentleman. He says, exactly that. The Holy Spirit, that's what the Holy Spirit do. He's like a gentleman. A gentle man. He comes in with gentleness. And he touches us in a place where we don't know we actually had that place in our spirit. And he says, just trust God. I'm going to pray for you. And I thought, okay. And he started praying for me. And the only thing, and he started praying in tongues. And I remember I was sitting on my knees. And I thought, the only way I'm going to get out of this one is just to mimic what he's saying. So I'm trying to say what he says, you know, the words. So he's saying, Kurabas, and I'm like, <laughs> And after 30 seconds, I promise you, after 30 seconds, I was bawling, crying, and praying in tongues. And after 10 minutes, he was like, way at the end and I was still crying and the Holy Spirit was doing something in my heart that I've never experienced in my life. Never. And something that day happened in my life, I received the promise of the Father. How many of you like Christmas? Come on. I love Christmas. We're not religious. Come on. We love Christmas. The greatest part of Christmas is wrapping the gifts. Isn't it awesome? I love wrapping the gifts. Oh, they see, they laugh. Because Daddy doesn't wrap it very nicely, but I love, love wrapping it. But you know what's the greatest thing about this? The day when you were born, each and every one of you, when you were born, Jesus sat and he wrapped a gift for you, a special gift. And he knew what color you liked and the ribbon you liked. And he knew exactly the day you were born. And he's taking that gift. And from the day you were born, Jesus is standing in front of you like this with your gift, just wanting you to open a gift. He never forced it on you. He's just waiting for you. He's waiting for you to open this gift that he has given you so many years ago. And that day when I opened that gift, very reluctantly, I didn't know what was happening. When I opened that gift, I felt like a billionaire just finding out I was a billionaire. And I want to encourage you, us all this morning, as you play, that don't miss God standing in front of you with this gift. Some of us has been filled with Holy Spirit and prayed for. The tongues are still not there. And that's fine. That's fine. I had a friend who's in ministry. He's a pastor. He struggled for three and a half weeks. I mean, on his face before God, he didn't understand why he doesn't speak in tongues. But it was a process. But I wanted, what I want to leave with you this morning is 
God is standing with a mighty, beautiful, awesome presence in front of you this morning, asking you, longing for you to open this. To open this. Don't let it go by. Don't miss that moment. Don't miss that opportunity to be filled to the brink of that filling of His presence. To when I was filled with the presence and in that moment baptized in the Holy Spirit, that was the Sunday we got back home. That Monday afternoon I had a cricket game. And I played cricket. And I was usually the, the, the 11th guy, you know, the 11th man. And like I was never in the team. I was only the guy who brings the water on. And, and that day uh, the guy who opens the batting was not there. He was sick. And the, and the coach made a mistake. He said, who wants to open? And I said, I will. And he's like, he wanted to take, the, take back the words. And he said, oh, okay, and he suit up. And I suited up. I was like, yeah, I'm going to open the first ball of the game. I've never opened. I probably have batted like 10 balls in seven games. And I went in and, and I knocked 75 runs, none out. Scored the game, won the game for the whole team. I mean, the first ball, I remember this so well. The first ball is the fastest bowler in the league. I was just like 13, under 13. He was the fastest bowler in the league. When he ran up, I thought, why is he running so quickly? <laughs> and all I remember is <laughs> when I saw something come at me, I just swung and I hit a six. First ball of the game. Punk, six. The, the guys at the, 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 the fields, like, they didn't know if they had to shout or it was like, Yay! By the seventh four I hit, they were cheering and shouting. I got home that evening. I thought, what happened? What happened? And I'm not saying you're going to play, a, become a great cricketer when you get filled with the Spirit. I'm saying God releases something in our lives. After that moment, my prayer life has never been the same in my life. My reading the Scriptures has never been the same in my life. Do you know you can pray in tongues and read your Bible at the same time? Because tongues comes from rivers of water, from your spirit, not from your mind. And it's amazing as you grow in it. But as I read my Bible, as I prayed, I went to deeper places with the Lord. I encountered Him in different ways. And I realized, why have I waited till I was 13? That's why we need to, in kids' church, train our kids to be filled with the Spirit. To not get to there when they're in university and realize, oh, man, I've been missing it. So I want to invite you to stand with me and we're going to close. And, and then, as I close this morning, I want to invite you, if you have never been filled with the Spirit, if you've never been prayed for for baptism in the Holy Spirit, we're going to close this service and we're going to play some music and you can have coffee. And, but I want you to come join me up front. And there's going to be a few of us that can pray. And Sumri and my wife and all of us can pray. And we want to pray for you this morning. If all of us here are filled with the Spirit and can pray in tongues, fantastic. But I want to give the opportunity, not force. Jesus never forced anyone. A gentleman never forces anyone. But I want to encourage you not to miss a moment of being empowered, united by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Why don't you just put your hands on your heart as I pray this morning. Father, I pray 
I thank you, Jesus, for the greatest gift, the greatest foundation that we can have in our lives, the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are here this morning, that you're residing in our presence, but you want to fill us to overflow. So Father, I pray that you speak to our hearts right now. Even pray for some of our friends, people who's not here this morning, who doesn't know the Holy Spirit, hasn't been filled with the Holy Spirit, that you will ignite something in our hearts, a longing, a longing, a hunger for your Spirit, Father. Thank you, Lord, that fear is not part of our lives, but faith. And may we step out in faith and receive that gift that you've given us, Father. Receive that gift that will change our lives on the day of Pentecost, like it changed the disciples' lives. It changed the Christian faith. It, it changed and catapulted the gospel into the world. So much so, it will change our lives. So, Father, we thank you this morning for our encounter with you. Thank you that your word set us free and built foundation in our lives. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstellenbosch.co.za.